Hi, this is Simon with just a brief reminder to follow us on our Facebook page, Chronicles on the Fly. Like the page, send us a message, any questions or anything that you would like us to talk about. And uh, maybe on the next episode, we'll do just that. So there you go. Chronicles on the Fly on Facebook. Thanks. Let's get into the show. I was going to get a beer out of the fridge, but I thought no, I won't. I won't drink alone. That'll be too, uh, too teasing for you. That's right, the bottle. So, what's going on? Do you want to bash anything more on the desk and make noises through the microphone? Well, there's nothing else to do here. You know what I mean? Oh, the audience will love it. Smack their ears around. The whole ten people. <laughs> no, no, ten people. We get it. We get at least thirteen or fourteen. <laughs> Good afternoon, Simon. Good afternoon, Mr. Mel. How are we? Fantabulous. How's your week been? Oh, it's been quite interesting. You know, I went for a little procedure during the week. So, oh, do you want to talk about this? Not really. To be honest, just <laughs> you, a simple. You brought it up. You had to get that wart off your toenail. Oh no, not that one, mate. That's there for a while. That one. <laughs> It's a small, simple procedure. Uh, went in, in and out, stay surgery, so it was pretty good. Okay. Hey, what some of those um, anaesthetic they give it? Jesus Christ, it knocked you out. Sent me for six for the rest of the day. That horse tranquilizer they gave you. Oh, yeah. My gosh, I couldn't believe it. I was yeah knocked out for most of the uh, most of the afternoon, then I couldn't sleep at night. So, so do you um, spend some time in in bed watching, uh, catching up on uh, some Netflix? Yes, I watched a bit. Of, I watched the Last Dance. Yes. Uh, watched the last episode, so that was good. YouTube and Netflix, they are, um, I was going to say big time wasters, but it's not necessarily wasting time when it's educational and, you know, thought-provoking stuff, I think. Uh, yeah, I, I like look, the majority, 90, 99% of the stuff I watch is all documentary-based. I'm the same. I can't watch too much bullshit. It's got to be stuff that, you know, makes you... You know, it teaches you something or shows you something about history that you didn't know before. History, a bit of sport. I like watching a bit of sport in there because sometimes some guys make some awesome clips, you know, the best ofs. I've been doing a lot of, of a lot of USC ones lately. It's pretty cool. Just before we jumped online, I was watching, I only got through a few, but Jordan's top 10 plays of all time of his career. Oh. Was it an 89 Cavs series there? That was a good one. I, I got from 10 to 8, I think. It was about it. Then we, it was time to start, so I turned it off. But I'll go back to that one afterwards. I think uh, number one will probably be the 1998 Game 6 shot with 6.6 seconds on the clock. True, true, yeah. To uh, a jump shot against Utah to win the, the game in the series. Mm. So you watched, all right, we might as well talk about The Last Dance first of all, huh? Get that out of the way. Seems as though we've been talking about it probably for the past five weeks. What do you think, firstly, of the final two episodes and and overall? Really good, but not as good as probably what it probably could have been. Yeah, I think I agree. It was pretty low. It was awesome. The other episodes were amazing. And I think maybe even the last one was a bit of a letdown. But they, I think they, these guys hit 
such highs on the, on the on the previous episodes that we were expecting the same. Or I was expecting the same. Well, one thing that I'm a bit disappointed about, and maybe this is just being a bit parochial or biased, is that Luke Longley was not mentioned at all. Yeah, it was very very rarely, not very rarely seen. I think Jordan mentioned his name once, but across the ten episodes, there was nothing actually about him. For the whole the whole series, there's absolutely nothing about him, and yeah. I think that's that's a bit crap. Considering this guy has come from Perth, the most isolated capital city in the world, right? Mm. Basically, in the, basically came from nowhere to go and play college basketball first, and then and then work his way up through, uh, you know, uh, Timberwolves. It was the Timberwolves, yeah. Minnesota. It was drafted by Minnesota Timberwolves, crappy team. Goes to Chicago and he's this and is the starting center for three championships in a row. A guy from Perth. Right? Yeah, true. That's that's an incredible story right there. Surely that's worth five minutes of discussion in this in this in ten episodes. True, but even if you look everyone you can talk about the all those teams, all those six teams that won the championships for for, for Chicago, everyone's gonna turn and say Jordan. Pippen and Rodman. And even Rodman was only there for three of them. He wasn't there for six of them. Steve Kerr only gets mentioned because he's the coach of Golden State Warriors now. But no one else, you couldn't, very few people could tell me the rest of the teams or the starting lineups of the other of the other five teams that played for Chicago. Yeah, I think earlier in the in the series, like Horace Grant got a got a good run. There's a bit about BJ Armstrong. Had a, I was going to say there's a bit about BJ Armstrong, but mainly after he'd he'd left, I suppose, when, yeah. when the Bulls were playing yeah. against them. But the context was that he was an ex-player, right? Ron so, Harper. Ron, there wasn't a lot on Ron. You see him, but it wasn't like a lot on Ron Harper. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say in, in the final team, I suppose Harper gets about as much mention as as Longley stuff all, yeah. uh, as well. So yeah, but I just think that the fact of where Luke Longley came from, being the first Australian ever to play in the NBA as well as win three consecutive and being a starter for those three. Was Harper a starter for three consecutive? Oh, I couldn't answer that one, but I'm not sure. He might have been for the last series. Maybe I'm being biased. And I know that Luke Longley, you know, stays away from the limelight and he's he very rarely gives interviews and that type of thing. So they might have found it hard to get to him, but maybe they didn't even try in the first place. I agree with you. I think it would have been nice to hear from him, to hear put his perspective in. Well, I've actually listened to a number of podcasts of his in the last week or so. Not yep. not his podcast, but podcast that he's been a guest on, The Howie Games, which is an excellent sports podcast by Mark Howard. And that was actually from a couple of years ago. He was on there. So if anyone wants to go and listen to that, it's episode number 39. And he speaks for, you know, over an hour and most of it is about his NBA career and it's brilliant. He's an interesting fella. And I've listened to him uh, on a couple interviews that you can find online as well. Uh, one was with 6PR, one was with TAB Radio. A couple of years old or a few years old. Some of Actually, I think one of them was from late last year. So, yeah, he's an interesting guy. He's always going to be interesting when you come you know, considering the career he's had. Absolutely, what he's achieved. <laughs> I mean, three championships. Part of the, the in, what's interesting about him, or the, I suppose even the mystique about him, is that he's 
distance himself from the limelight purposely. Like even when he was playing, he he, he didn't seek out the limelight. He very rarely ever did anything like endorsements, you know, things like that. He, and he even says he could have made a shitload more money in his in his time if he had have you know gone down that that path, you know, promoting products and things like that, you know, um, advertising, whatever. Yeah. You know, True. But he, he didn't want to be part of that. So that, which is, I think that's quite admirable, actually. Or well, everyone to their own. That's his decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good on him. He made that choice. Yeah. But it was a, but I really got to take off my hat, hat to the director and uh, I mean, getting the, that footage was incredible. Absolutely incredible. And the, the footage of when, which was really good as well, was when Rodman didn't show up for training. Oh, that was, that was just funny, as I thought. That was brilliant. Yeah, but how like they got the bridge. Okay, come this way, come this way. Oh, when he was running out of the stadium. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and the press the press group just ran after him, but they were miles too late. Yeah, that was brilliant. I was like, that is absolutely brilliant. That was funny. But how did they quite get the footage for that? It was and, and the coach, Phil Jackson, like didn't make a big deal of it all. It was like. No, okay. that's just Rodman. They've played, what, at that point, game two of the NBA finals? And he just takes off to go wrestling with Hulk Hogan. That's hilarious. It was, it was, pretty, it was pretty good, actually. I liked how he did it. He, um, he, he was a, he went on, was a, that was WCW back then, Hollywood Hogan. Smacked out a bloke with a chair. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if he had got injured and couldn't play the rest of the finals. Oh, my. Oh, my God. That would have gone down like a, oh, that would have gone down like a lead balloon. I thought the part about Steve Kerr was interesting. His background, the way he—I didn't realize that his his father had been had been murdered. The best part, probably, of the whole series, is, or the best part of Jordan's career, the defining moment. Really, you could probably say, is that 1998 game six of the NBA Finals against Utah Jazz, the last minute. So they're three points down, and he he runs the ball into the key and scores a layup. So they're two, so they're one point down. But there's about 40 seconds or so on the clock. They scored within four seconds there. That's how quickly that changes now. Now it puts the pressure on the Jazz to score once again. Jordan with plenty of time still for, for Utah. They go down the other end, and Malone's got the ball. Malone is doubled. They swat at it and steal it. And Jordan just comes from nowhere from behind him and steals it comes it spills out of Malone's hands it could just bounce and he could just pick it up again it actually hit his foot and goes between his legs just the just the perfect spot for it to land it just hits his his heel and rolls towards Jordan just brilliant he just picks it up and strolls here comes Chicago 17 seconds 17 seconds from game seven or from championship number six and he just slowly strolls up to the other end and waits, drains the clock a bit, and then just picks his timing to run in. Jordan, open, Chicago with the lead. What do you, how, do you, how would you say it? Just holds up, basically. And uh, Russell from, from Utah just go, keeps going and slips. Now, for me, that's not a push because there's all this conjecture about, you know, did Jordan's left hand push him? Nah, he was, the motion was already there. The motion was already there. The hand touched, but it was a feather. That was like a feather. There was no pressure, you could tell. No, the, the motion was already there. 
timeout, Utah. 5.2 seconds left. Michael Jordan running on fumes with 45 points. Just the the stillness of Jordan to make that shot, that, you know, to put them one point up. It's just amazing. Absolutely amazing. That may have been, who knows what will unfold in the next several months, but that may have been the last shot Michael Jordan will ever take in the NBA. And that's it. Five seconds to go, but they got the timeout, and then Utah's got the ball from the side, right, to restart. Is it Stockton? Yeah. Still had the chance to make that shot, and if that, it rimmed out, but if that had gone in, how different things would have been. Well, could have been because it would have gone to a game seven. If they score, there's a game seven. If they don't, for the second straight year, they go out in six. Stopped it. Harper's on him. Behind the screen. Harper got a piece of it. It comes off. The Chicago Bulls have won their sixth NBA championship, and it's their second three-peat. Just such millimeters in everything, isn't there? I actually like that part with Reggie Miller too. That was pretty cool as well. Um, I I didn't really like Reggie Miller as a player back then. Obviously, he speaks really well, doesn't he? I thought. Yeah, he does. He's, he's a really good speaker. But I respect him as a player. He was a really good player. Yeah, yeah. And that game was it? Where, was that when Jordan took the shot and they looked the ball was going in and like he just like dummied out? Was it? Was that? Oh, the yes, another one where there was millimeters <laughs> in it. Yeah, yeah. I was like, the ball's going in. It's in. No, it's not. <laughs> so that was the Eastern Conference. Yeah. Playoff, wasn't it? Yeah, against the Pacers with um, Larry Bird was the coach. No, brilliant series. And and overall, I think it made me wish that I had been interested back when, you know, it was actually happening. No, I was interested in it. You knew I was interested in it. Yeah, just for me, it's it was never a sport that registered with me. Yeah. I remember as a kid, it was my cousin Frank was into it and, Used to have a video, I'll never forget, it was dazzling dunks and basketball bloopers. And it was all about the NBA. So that was kind of like, I would have been, geez, what year was that? 89, I think that video. Frank had that video. So you would have been in primary school. Yeah. So I was in primary school watching it. It was brilliant. It's actually on YouTube if anyone, watch it, anyone wants to watch it. Speaking of YouTube, I just opened up YouTube and what comes up as a recommended video? 2002 Washington Wizards at Chicago Bulls. So Michael Jordan's first time back to play against Chicago. When he, when he came out of retirement the second time and played for Washington. So I actually lost a bit of track after that. I didn't really, didn't really know much about his Washington Wizards career. Uh, people reckon it's not actually that bad. Well, I think, yeah, on an individual level, but for the team, he played two seasons. Was it two seasons, I think? And they didn't even make the playoffs either season, so... Not much really to uh, to write about there. Uh, again, a well-crafted, well-directed, well-scripted, well-edited piece. And there's a few people complaining on Twitter about how they were annoyed that it would go from 98 back to 96 and 90s. I liked like, that all the way about back. it because I, like, I thought that's, that's brilliant. That provided context. And perspective. It provided yeah. perspective like how, why. You know, and like, why didn't like the Detroit Pistons? Why the Red Bull came up? Like, it's brilliant. I reckon it was awesome. 
I think those people that are complaining about that should just stick to watching highlights on YouTube if that's all they wanted. At the end of the day, the director is there to tell a story. And you, we might complain, yeah, you, you left this out, you left that out. But at the end of the day, the storytelling was actually fantastic. There's no denying oh, that. Absolutely. It, was, it was a brilliantly told story. Anyway, I was, um, I was having a beer the other day and I opened a lid and it came up with a great question. I thought we should talk about it if you want to talk about it. The lid it said, asked you a question? The lid had a question on the back of a beer lid and it said, put, talking point, what is your greatest Australian 11 cricket team? What a fantastic question. Where would you start? Maradona. Good <laughs> <laughs> team. Sorry, talk, we'll start talking cricket now. All right. Yeah, so I thought that was a I thought that was a really good question. You'd start at the top of the order, I suppose. Or well, top of the order. All right, well, go. I'll, I'll, I'll give you mine. It was mine. What I'll beer was go. this, by the way? Let's 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 create the context. <laughs> it was uh, no Han Premium Dry. No Han. Han Super Dry. Han Super, Han Super Dry. Okay, they're asking uh, asking questions on their beer tops right now, are they? All right. Mm. Okay. So who would you open up? Mark Taylor. Followed with <sighs> Steve Steve Smith as. Uh, Steve Smith as opener. I used, to, I used to like Michael Slater as an opener because I, I know, that, but the reason why is because he would, he would face the first ball of a test match and he'd send it to the boundary. I used to love that about him. Just no fear from, from the first ball. But no, obviously he's not going to be the, the greatest opener. So but, I'd, um, I'd put Tubby, Tubby Taylor. I'd yeah. put Steve Smith at second to open with him. Third, you got to go, obviously, there's only one person you can go with. I liked Jeff Marsh Dom. back in the day. He was good too. But you got to go Don Bradman. Four, you go. Oh, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me write this down as we go. So you're saying Taylor, Smith, Bradman. Okay. Ponting. Yes, Ponting. Steve Waugh. Steve Waugh. Yep. Ponting. Uh, AB. Alan Water. Yep, hang on. At six. All right. Let's do this slowly. Let me think. Number seven, Gilchrist. Adam Gilchrist as your wiki. Okay. Eight. So now we're into the tail, the, the bowlers. bowlers. The bowlers. Now, this is where it gets interesting. Obviously, Warren is a given. Warren and McGrath are the givens. Two givens. Right. Obviously, McGrath's going to be last. You're left with two spots to fill, okay? I've really been thinking about this, right? Now, everyone talks, Craig McDermott, fantastic bowler. Yeah. That, uh, Fleming was a great bowler. Gillespie was a great bowler. Um, Jeff Thompson, before my era, but apparently great bowler. Now. Hang on, we've got I, six. We've got six. What Did I miss one? Seven, Taylor. Seven. Taylor, Smith. Oh, I missed. Hang on. Bradman. Taylor, Smith, Bradman. Ponting. Ponting. War. War. Gilchrist. Oh, I missed AB. AB. AB was six. Yep. And Gilly seven. Yep. I think we're on the same page here. All right. Then you got, then I threw, I threw a dark horse in there as another bowler. Um, I reckon Pat Cummins probably deserves a bit of a gig. What? I reckon he's pretty good. He's, he's good, man. He's, he's been good. around for five minutes compared to these other ones. Well, would you put Fleming ahead of him? Fleming. Hmm? Or who would you put in front of him as a bowler? Who, who's Fleming? Damien Fleming, he was all right. He wasn't a bad bowler. He doesn't come into it to discuss okay. the greatest ever. 
Craig McDermott? I, I, I would put Craig McDermott above Fleming, but I don't think he still makes the greatest 11. Well, who would you put? All right. Let me put number 11, McGrath. Where does, where does Warren come in? Number eight, I suppose, after Gilly? Number eight, I suppose. Warren. All right. So we've got nine and ten. Two bowlers. A fast bowler. Oh, well, Lily. Dennis Lily. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's, yeah, of course. Okay. So we'll put Lily number 10. Yep. Dennis Lily. All right. So we're, we're down to one bowler to go. Now, the question is, is a fast bowler or, or a spinner? I'd say you have to go fast, wouldn't you? Oh, AB could always throw. Well, AB could always throw a bit of a, throw a bit of spin every now and then. Or Smith, even. Or Smith. Ponting used to like to roll the uh, the arm over once in a while, didn't he? Mm, yeah, he did. Steve Wolf. Well, Steve Wolf. Uh, Steve Wolf was medium pace. I, I loved him as a bowler. I loved his yeah, slower ball. He'd come out. Yeah, How many wickets he used to take with his slow ball? Okay, number nine. What about Tomo? We might have to uh, refer to stats for this, but. But and the other one is um, twelfth man. Who would you put? No, let's concentrate on this missing one at number nine, missing bowler. Are there any bowlers yeah. in in past history? Okay, this just top top ten bowlers in Australian cricket. Richie Benno. Yeah, but he was a leggy. He already got a leggy. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. This is this is what it says here, son. Okay. Shane Warne, Glenn McGrath, Dennis Lilly, yeah. Charlie Turner. I do not know who that is. No. Jeff Thompson, mm. Brett Lee, Mitchell Johnson, Craig McDermott, Jason Gillespie, Nathan Lyon. Jeez. I think Thompson. I think you might have to go with Thompson. I don't know. Yeah, well, that's what yeah. – Brett Lee gets a lot of uh, – everyone reckons he's really good, but – I'd probably put McDermott before Brett Lee. Yeah, I would too. Yeah. All right. Let's let's for shits and giggles. Let's put Thompson. Now we're down to twelfth man. You could probably put another spinner there. Eh? Nathan Lyon, based on stats. Based based on stats, he's the third highest Australian wicket taker of all time. Then Lyon, eh? Here we are. <laughs> he actually is. How's that for? Uh, he's got three hundred ninety wickets, man. I'm going to go with the Lyon, number twelve. Because then in Sydney you can play two spinners, Warren and Lyon together. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't. I didn't mind Stuart McGill actually. Yeah, but Stuart McGill was he was he was down the. Down He's probably the, the unluckiest cricketer in the history of Australian cricket. Oh, without a doubt. And so was the other. Um, was it Hodge? The uh, Hodge Brad, from Victoria? Brad Hodge. Was it Brad Hodge? He scored Brad a ton Hodge. and played for Australia and got dropped. Got dropped <laughs> <laughs> after scoring a ton. Figure that one out. <laughs> Who the hell gets dropped off the score at the time? And what about as a uh, coach? Mm. I like JL as a coach. I reckon JL's pretty good. I do. Coach. I do too, but I don't think he's done enough to. Well, from what he's come and what I he's mean, done. I he, mean, he's retained an Ashes. He hasn't won an Ashes, has he? Oh, uh, Bobby Simpson. Bob Simpson? It's probably Simpson. He was okay. Bobby, yeah. It's probably Simpson, Simpson yeah. Um, who else has there been in our time? Coaches. Well, it's not going to be it's not going to be Mickey Arthur, that's for sure. <laughs> Hang on, did, did Mick Arthur coach Australia or was it Western Australia? He coached. He coached WA. He coached both, actually. 
He coached Australia, didn't he? I'm pretty sure he did too. Lehman. And uh, Buffett. No. Lehman for that. Australian coach was the other guy. Um, one with the the, the, the tall guy that Shane Warne can't stand. He had the mustache. Yeah. I can't think of his name. I think it's Bob. Let's just go with Bob Simpson. All right. I thought it was a pretty good discussion, but that's what that's what I, yeah, I agree with that. Agree with that team, Simon. Simon and Mel's greatest ever Australian cricket team. Mark Taylor, Steve I mean, Smith. We actually need uh, we need uh, twelfth man. I said Lion. Oh, Lion, Lion. Okay, yeah, all right. Sorry. So, Mark Taylor, Steve Smith, Don Bradman, Ricky Ponting, Steve War, Alan Border, Adam Gilchrist, Shane Warne, Jeff Thompson. Dennis Lilly, Glenn McGrath. Oh, what an attack. What a, what a pace attack that would be. Twelfth <laughs> man, Nathan Lyon. Coach, Bob Simpson. And who would be the captain? Oh, you have to go the, the one and only, Bradman. Followed by AB. Was he the captain in you'd his day? To, you'd have to. I'm not sure. I wasn't around in those days, but assuming he would. You'd have to put him as captain. No, you have to put him border. as captain and border captain. And border as VC. No. Border as VC. Mickey, that, border. Look how many captains. You have four captains to five captains to pick from there. Well, who's captain? Tubby was a captain. Steve Wall was a captain. I'm pretty sure Bradman was a captain. Smith. Smith's a captain. Gilly, Gilly and Warren, probably vice captains, you could say they were. For me, Alan Border. Steve Wall. No. He's my childhood captain, you know what I mean? Like you've got to go with you gotta go with you gotta go with the, the great the great uh, Don Bradman. Was he a captain? Oh, I'm assuming he was, we can find that out. I, I don't care. I, I just I want Border. Border and probably War as the vice captain. You reckon? Yeah. yeah. Was War was Steve War a better captain than Mark Taylor? He was more successful than Mark Taylor. Well there you go. Pretty sure he was. I'm going AB and then and then Steve War. What do you think? Well, I got to give it to the uh, one and only. The um, I'd personally go maybe Bradman. Then but let's just find out if he was actually captain first. Was Bradman ever a captain? Find that one. Has been named here. Yeah, he got, he got named the the best captain of. There we go, Don Bradman. Australia's great dog has been named captain of an all-time test World Eleven. You gotta give a team. Okay. I suppose he was the captain then. Yes, you have to give it to uh you have to give it to him and then A B is your your vice captain. All right, I can live with that. What a team that would be. All right. What a team. There we go. That was a, a great pointless exercise. It was good fun. I, I thought that, I thought it was a. There's every now and then you open a, a super drive there and have a question there. It's good for good for a little conversation starter. Yeah, maybe we should do another one. Australia's greatest eleven football team of the round ball code. Oh, the round ball code. Ooh. Schwarzer oh, uh, not now. Let's let's not do it now. Let's let's <laughs> let's have another beer and think about it, then we'll come back to another podcast episode and do it then. <laughs> <laughs> See, a couple of weeks ago on, um, I think it was Instagram, WA Police put out this video. Oh, yeah, I saw that. You know, there's this, I think it's a TikTok craze or an Instagram craze, I don't even know, Snapchat, one of these stupid social media things, dancing to some song. Mm. So I just wanted to say, like, what do you think of WA Police doing that? 
There was only three, oh. granted, and three cops. But spending their time putting together dance videos to put on social media, spending their time, our money, basically. That's the point. Of our it. police resources, yeah. No, exactly. fair, that's, fair that's, cool. that's my point. That's our money. Yes, you, you are right, but it doesn't really bother me. I find that annoying. I just don't follow TikTok and all that crap, no. to be honest with you. I think it's annoying. As, don't follow it, but it's hard to miss when when people retweet and all this kind of thing. So, But in saying that, I, I do think it is, well, it's not probably a good look for Not to say it's not a good look because everyone, they probably think, oh, they do. Well, it's not that it's not even a bad look because most of the comments were like, oh, this is awesome, you know, so it's PR, all right? But at the end of the day, when we were growing up, were, were the police all about good, warm and fuzzy PR? No, they were to be police force. They were there to be feared, right? Not feared like, um, you know, fearing that they're going to belt the shit out of you, but feared that you don't want to, you don't want to get in the wrong side of the law. That's out the window. And this, things like this just underline that for me. That's very cool. It just shows that there's no, no one defers to authority anymore, you know? Mm. Like the, yeah. the police are not seen as an authority. They're there as, uh, you know, to be shit kicked, literally, by crims. And you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I know where you're coming from. But like I said, like to me, does it like I didn't even say no? But you, you are. I think it is probably not the best use of police resources. Um, sometimes I don't think that you, the police resources should be like to have a car sitting there. Well, what was the car doing there? Then that wasn't exactly like it wasn't practiced. They were driving along. They get and there's some music playing. That's what I'm they they well, get the out thing, of the car, stand in front of the car, and do some choreographed dance. Yeah, but what? Yeah, the other thing is, is obviously being planned. They obviously spent time doing it. Yeah. They had to. They had to rehearse it. So there's not just the the thirty seconds or a minute, whatever it is, of the of the video, of the TikTok. They probably spent a day, at least. Mm. You know what I mean? True. We paid those wages while they were doing this bullshit. <laughs> and just just to finish on that, there weren't many negative comments either. So not many not many people think that and think you know look at that and think critically or. Cynically, like me, I know it's a cynical view. It totally is, but I'm not apologising for it either. I personally believe that demographic is always going to be. Oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. Who they're targeting? They're not. Yeah, targeting, they're obviously targeting the. I suppose the millennium crowd or whatever. The millennials, yeah, millennial crowd. But what? What are you indoctrinating them with? You know, like mm. we were taught to respect police as an authority, as authority figures. I don't look at that and see authority figures. I'll probably look at it and do a TikTok while they're getting arrested. I look at that and, and if I look at that, if I'm a, you know, likely to, to become a criminal in future, I look at that and go, this is going to be an easy career for me. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll get away with plenty of shit with if that, if that's the cops. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't exactly the, the most feared police officers, too. You know? What do you do, Simon? Anyway, I'm sure that there's a, a very big silent majority out there that would agree with me. There'll be there'll be a high amount of people that would agree with you. Yes, good. But like, like, like I was saying to you, to me, 
again, I think TikTok and all this social media is a waste of resourceful stops. So. Especially TikTok. Well, they're going to do a 30-second video. What for? Why, do, why does the police need a TikTok? Honestly. Yes, okay. I get having a Twitter account because they can put information out, as in accident here or this has happened or stay here. That because actually serves a purpose. Even Instagram to a point and Facebook. But TikTok's about 30-second music videos. Really? You don't need a TikTok. The police force don't need a TikTok account. Do you believe they need a TikTok account? Not at all. Exactly. But, yeah, I suppose, you know, that's the thing these days about being warm and fuzzy and connecting with where the, the young crowd is. Yeah, I, like I said, I see other platforms of social media for the police worth, worth it, but TikTok I definitely don't see it worth it. There's a bit of bickering going amongst the premiers this week between the New South Wales Premier, the West Australian Premier, and the South Australian Premier and the Queensland Premier, all about power and <laughs> closing the borders and... Oh, don't let it. New South Wales is a dirty state. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. What? A dirty state? Well, because, yeah, because of the uh, COVID infections. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was like, come on, seriously. The other one was that we shouldn't take advice from someone that had the Ruby Princess. And I was like. Who was saying all this stuff? Well, Mark, Mark McGowan said that one about the Ruby Princess. But regardless, I'm like, why is all bickering? Aren't we all Australian? I'm supposed to have a goal together. I am. Now they've made, they've all made it political amongst themselves. You are. WA, no, pardon? We are. Me. We are. Australia. (laughs) We're supposed to be. We are. It's what we're supposed to be. But what I'm trying to say is, is that it's, it's come to a point now where it's all become political point scoring. And it's actually really quite sad because you're supposed to be finding a common cause. And it's like, oh, no, we can't do this and we can't do that. We've got to lock the borders down. Oh, we don't want them doing that because look at the bad statistics they got over there. We're doing a great job. It's like people. Last time I checked, my passport still says Australia. So we all should be looking at this as a, as a national. I think they're getting a bit, yeah. I think all the premiers, and it's all of them, not just not just Perth or WA or New South Wales. It's all the premiers. They're letting this power get a bit to their head, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I suppose they they want to be seen as the the leading state when it comes to dealing with this. I suppose. I mean, you know, it looks good looks good for them. The stats, right? The stats look good for WA, doesn't it? Well, in saying that, only WA is going to vote for their premier. So, what does he care what everyone else? Exactly. Thinks? So they are all playing to their constituency. You're correct. Which I think so. It's unfortunate because that's what politics is. It's what politics has become. Should the borders, the state borders, be reopened? I probably not straight away, but I'm for opening them or having a plan to open them. Do they have a gradual? Well, they plan haven't. For well, there's no, there's no gradual plan. Like, right. I do, I do believe the interstate border should be open. Why shouldn't a person from Geraldton? Why can't we go up to Geraldton or Coral Bay or Exmouth? Or- we talked about that a week or two back, and, yeah, we totally agree. The, the in, intrastate borders are bullshit. There's no two ways about that. Yeah, but even like that, opened them, but they still open them to what? You still like – if you're in, in Lehman, you can go as far south as Albany, but <laughs> you, can't, you can't go to Geraldton. It's crazy. Oh, sorry. Um, sorry, Durian Bay, not Lehman. But I'm saying if you're in Durian Bay, you can go as far south as Albany, which is 600-odd Ks, but you can't go to Geraldton. Again, it's all become a political football now. 
How's your uh, your Chinese mate slapping on eighty percent tariffs on on barley producers and exporters? Ooh, it's in- interesting. It's getting interesting. All that stuff, isn't it? Did I send you that? Did I send you that article during the week about Chinese? It was all about Chinese culture and how they're all about saving face. You would know a fair bit about this, having travelled there quite a bit. But their their culture is all about saving face. You basically can't admit that you've done something wrong because that's like you lose face. They would never admit that they've they've put a foot wrong or they're at fault for anything. And this is a big reason why they were trying to block an independent inquiry into the coronavirus. But this is what I don't understand about China. Like they could be the biggest winners out of this independent inquiry. They could actually be the biggest winners. How so? How you think like think you think like well if they came across it, yeah, come on, oh, we made a mistake. Everyone be all sympathetic to the Chinese. Not if they're arrogant, because tall poppy syndrome, welcome to Australia. We don't like that. The rest of the Western world doesn't like tall poppy syndrome. They, I think they handled it a little bit wrong, the Chinese, you know. I, that's but my it's opinion. Their, that's their way. So Yes, it is. That's the only way they know, I suppose. So, you know, that's their story and they're sticking to it. It sucks this, what would you call it, financial war that they're, that they're waging, I suppose. But they are a net, they're a net importer. Don't forget that. Okay. They are a net importer. So they import more than they export, which is quite ironic. Right. Because you've got to feed 1.3 billion people. Yeah. yeah. That, that, you know, that's a lot of people to feed. It's a lot of steel that they need to make. Yeah, well, the tariff is on their imports of Australian barley, right? They must import a fair bit of barley. You work yeah. on an 80% tariff, you're almost paying double overnight. Hmm. Yeah. That's unbelievable. So the, the poor, the poor pro- Australian producer... I mean, it's all right. It's all right if if importers just still keep importing and they pay it. If Chinese importers are happy yeah, to but pay, but there's no benefit to the, to the Australian exporter. But what you have to understand is, all this is doing is forcing Australians export to look for new markets. And wouldn't that be good if they could just replace China with a new market? Mate, this, mate I don't understand why we don't do enough business with Indonesia. There's 300 million people there. Yeah. You know, you got India. India, I was going to say India as well. You know, you got Bangladesh, you got Vietnam, you got all these countries that are just north. What the, what China deserves out of this is that the the rest of the world leaves them out in the cold. But it's not going to happen. I know you, it's not going to happen. It's, it's not. It's not going to happen. And that's that's an unfair thing to say on the average Chinese person who just needs goods and services and 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 food, basically. So, absolutely. And like I said, I've been to that country plenty of times and I do like that country. And majority of people, 99%, are really good people. Politically, they are. Politically, they're. The Chinese people and CCP are different things. They've shown their hand, basically, very transparently in this whole situation, haven't they? Yeah. Oh, well, that's China. They've shown what they're all about. But like I said, I like China. I reckon it's a great country. And there's a lot, and there's still a lot to offer. And there's a lot more probably what Australia could offer them as an export. Australia got to make some. This all this is doing now is Australia has to bring back a bit of manufacturing, which I can't see it happening. But they should do some an element of manufacturing or processing here in Australia would be fantastic. And that's like when the car industry left. Yeah, you know my gripe about the car industry. Mm-hmm. I wasn't upset about oh it's Ford or it's Holden or this or that. 
I was upset as a as a person who was in manufacturing before to see a manufacturing plant go. It's sad. It's wrong. Hmm. It's actually wrong. I've seen. I was in the timber industry. I saw the timber industry just fall over. Gone. You know, I was in the furnishing industry. I saw that get attacked. You know, and then well, as a customer, seeing the the the, um, the car industry get destroyed. Prior to obviously before us was originally it was the the clothing manufacturing and textile industry that got smashed. Believe it or not, we used to, apparently Australia used to make great clothes and shoes. Can you believe it? Have you ever heard of anyone buying Australian made clothes and shoes? Doesn't exist. But apparently we did many, many, many years ago. So unfortunately, that's, I think what's going to happen is we probably have to become more ingen- in, ingenuitive, so I think a bit more outside the square and uh, hopefully uh, use less reliance on, on foreign countries like China or, or look for new markets. Because right now everything, oh, we've got to sell this to China, iron ore to China, gas to China. Aluminium to China, rare earth to China, oh, rare mineral to China, beef to China, barley to China, wheat to China, earrings to China. Well, don't forget, the US has got 350 million people. They're looking at, uh, I'm sure they'd be happy to look at uh, Australian products. And bear in mind, right now, we are cheap in the, in the export market. We're a cheap commodity. We're a cheap place to purchase from. The Aussie dollar's at 65 cents. I remember going back when I was importing, we were a dollar three. We were expensive to export. You're at 65 cents. That's relatively quite affordable. That's what I think. You know, Australia actually has got a potential because it's been with a fairly low Aussie dollar, potential to export and look for new export markets. Should we uh, wrap it up there for the day? We'll wrap it up there. I'll talk to you. Too easy. All right. Ciao. Ciao. Out front to the man, Michael Jordan. Jordan up top, fake left, go right. He's there, lay it up, score it easily. Wow. Stockton, inside of Carmelo, they double it. Jordan knocks it away from him. Jordan's got it. The Bulls can win it right here. The Bulls can win it. Unbelievable. 16 seconds left. Bulls down one. Michael against Russell, 12 seconds. 1998 NBA champion and a team for the ages. Congratulations.